I'm Henry Lin. And I'm Roxana Zadeh. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. The majority of the bottles are plastic, which we already know, but because they're mixing the components and dyeing and mixing different kinds of plastic, it's almost worse. Like they're not using one type of plastic for the whole thing. They're sourcing these components from different places and sort of putting it all together. It's the mixed use of different plastics that leads to these products being, you know, effectively around forever. And so I think that in order for the industry to change, there's a few different sort of like studios, if you will, like three or four major manufacturers that manufacture the majority of the beauty industry. And they're the ones that need to be regulated. And that's when we'll start to see some change. Rox, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host Roxana is back for her second time, two-time world champion of Better World also the CMO of uh, the new marketplace company. No big deal, no big deal. But for those of you who are diehard Better World fans who have listened to all 90 of our episodes, there's like two of you and one of them's my mom, no worries. She was the one who introduced us to Max Moynian of Future Earth. This is the throwback to end all throwbacks, people. It's a great time. I'll do my best to fill those very big shoes. Your enthusiasm speaks for itself. <laughs> um. We are very, very excited to touch on a product-related topic. For those of you who also follow us, you know that we spend a good amount of time interviewing companies that are net good, that are changing the world through their use of materials, source, labor, supply chain, end of life, what they do with their products, like our favorite circular economy, Shoes Thousand Felt, and impact, like our friends with Benefit Friends, who help companies buy carbon credits and drawdowns. We're looking at that wonderful problem that we like to attack of the 275 million metric tons of plastic waste produced annually, with 12 million of those tons leaking into the oceans, wreaking havoc on ecosystems. And with us today are the fabulous founder and CMO of Uni. Guys, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Would you guys like to tell us a little bit about Uni, what it is, and how you came to it? Um, sure. So uh, Uni is a body care company that Alexandra founded. It took about three and a half years to create. Very long time. Very long time. Um, we launched about six months ago. And for us, it was about creating a body care company that didn't leave an impact on the environment. And it's a really multifaceted way of doing things. But for us, it was really about leading with performance products. So everything has really effective skincare ingredients, um, but also nothing that, you know, affects land or sea. And that's kind of a bigger statement as it relates to the beauty care industry. So in the beauty care industry, everything's made of mixed plastics. And, you know, from the packaging perspective, one third of all uh, plastics in landfills Come from the personal care industry. So we were attacking it really from a packaging perspective and then realizing that what that meant was on an even bigger scale. So everything from the formulations to the business practices, to the packaging, everything is, you know, effectively better for you and better for the planet. So it's a body care company that kind of looked at everything holistically as it relates to taking care of the planet. Long-winded way of saying that. It was a very good way of saying it. Can you guys <laughs> tell us a little bit about cyclability? 
Sure. So cyclability is just like a framework that actually we adapted from a, a, a sustainability site that Nike spun up at one point where it was sort of like a guiding principle around how to measure your impact. And so it was really a framework that we adopted and then we sort of like continued to sort of evolve and something that we want to at some point, you know, make a little bit more public to help other companies in the beauty sector and other sectors figure out how to measure their impact. And so for us, like you couldn't just create a refillable design package without thinking about, okay, well, where are we sourcing those materials and where are we sourcing the goop, you know, the ingredients that go in the goop. And so like, it was just sort of a bit of a package that we had to keep unraveling. And so what we wanted to do was sort of really push on that framework. So for cyclability, like the first thing we talk about is really the design. So for us, we needed something that was refillable. We need to make sure that the components for us with the refill was made from 100% recycled aluminum. It had to be refillable, uh, meaning that we had to ha- it had to have a large enough mouth for us to wash. So like the, the purpose of the design and the bottle of the design was very like functional um, for our need. And then also we had to make sure that it was 100% recyclable. So if you couldn't send it back for whatever reason, it would still be 100% recyclable. So we wanted to make sure regardless whether it was best case or use case, that we would be able to um, take it back to its raw elements in some way. And so that's kind of like about the modular design. And then, you know, I think really this is a credit to Mark. Like I gave him, Mark Atlin's our creative director and designer, and he created the Comme des Garçons perfume bottles, which use like, you know, mixed metal, like metals, glass, concrete, you know, and just like this concept of the platform in the design and so what he did is take something, you know, at the end of the day, you know, these are sort of like bathroom products, but really made them a platform. So like for us, like the evolution you'll see with Uni is us, you know, really evolving on the dispensers, both in size and then also in materials and things like that. So for, for me, I think the modular design is both smart thinking as well as, you know, making sure that we can send it back and then also that those components are recyclable. From conceptualization of you know, deciding you were going to do this to going through that entire process and putting it into practice and every detail of that, what has been the biggest challenge for you that may have been unforeseeable from even knowing it was something large to take on to begin with? Sure. I know it's a great question. I mean, I think coming from the tech world before, like you kind of, you know, you push a product live at like 90% if you're lucky, and then you work with consumers and iterate to sort of get to your final product. I think the biggest frustration that we have is we can't change anything, right? So we have massive minimum order quantities. And so we kind of have to, now we're working on different iterations, but we also have to go through all that stock before it can come out and and sort of just the delays in that process. I got very lucky in the sense that I found this gentleman who's now like a big part of our family named Gary, who's a packaging engineer. And Gary was at Estee Lauder for a long time. And he really came in and helped us optimize and like sort of pre-saw all of these things. So for me, he had me, and I obviously as we're startup, you don't really want to spend this money, but he had me order raw materials so that when we had to reorder, we already had all the materials in stock. Just like, I think that, yes, we still get frustrated in the sense, like the difficulty is, you know, right now we want to make a smaller and make all these different changes to the dispenser, but you won't see that for nine months. Right. I think also coming from the beauty industry, most beauty products are made with off-the-shelf solutions with mixed plastics. And because we are really innovating on the packaging and creating, you know, 
IP around like our packaging itself. Every time we want to create a product, it's not only on the formulation side, you're also working on the packaging side. So the lead times are like exponentially longer than on your average beauty product. So I think for me, coming from beauty products and like the way that we think about the timelines, they're blown out even further than, you know, your average beauty brand. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the impact of packaging? Because we have heard a lot about plastic degrading to microplastics, causing toxicity through the food chain. We know all the problems of plastics, but um, what are the impact of some of the packaging choices that you guys have made? And um, because it sounded like you were about to discuss closed loop economies. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for us, I mean, there's a couple of different things. I think the one thing about the beauty industry that, and me being an outsider coming into it, is the majority of the the bottles are plastic, which we already know. But because they're mixing the components and dyeing and mixing different kinds of plastic, it's almost worse. Like they're not they're not using one type of plastic for the whole thing. They're sourcing these components from different places and sort of putting it all together. And that's what sort of leads, it's the mixed use of different plastics that leads to these products being, you know, effectively around forever. And so I think that in order for the industry to change, you need, there's a few different sort of like studios, if you will, like three or four major manufacturers that manufacture the majority of the beauty industry. And they're the ones that need to be regulated. And that's when we'll start to see some change. In terms of like our closed loop system, the way that we do it is we take the bottles back we wash them, we run them under a UV light, we dry them, and then we refill them. And for us, actually, because the cost of aluminum's gone up so significantly, it's actually cheaper for us to wash and refill a bottle than it is to procure a new bottle. And when we first started doing this and I started talking, because I started pitching beauty people, obviously, like when I started the business, when, you know, on a, you know, a very loose deck with no designs and everyone was kind of like, this is crazy. It won't work. But if it worked for the milkman and, you know, God knows what we were buying milk for back in the day, but if it worked for them, then like I knew that there was a solution and they thought it would just be too cost prohibitive. So it's actually not. I mean, the thing that we're really working towards is how do we get the bottles back from people without them sending them in? And so does that mean bins with retailers or what is a better journey to reduce that? And I think that's where the rest of the optimization has to be on our side in order to really p- prove out the closed loop system. And here in uh, uh, Los Angeles, we have Erewhon. Right. And, you know, Erewhon, you can go and you can bring back your soup and your juice bottles and things like that. And I realized I was doing it in bulk. And I just feel like that's kind of where we really need to be. When you've got to, you know, 10 or 12 uni refills and you can go somewhere, bring them all back at one time and like get your sort of deposit back. And that's that's really what you'll see from us like moving forward. Um, and where we really want to get to. Okay. Um, majority of the work that you guys have done uh, is in this beauty space. Are, are you considering expansion um, uh, to other products? And <laughs> and what do you think you're, tell us about it. Cause- this is usually when Marissa tells me to stop talking because I tell everyone everything that we're doing. Um, I think the most important thing for us is like, if we think about uni, we think of it as a unisex product that you use daily um, that you w- you would want to refill, right? And that's sort of how we think about things, how that applies to other things in the home, um, other things in your routine, like that's where you'll find us. Yeah, and to her point earlier about like returning in bulk, like what we'd hope is that like Uni would be powering like, all your refillable products. You'd get your box, you know, once a month and then you kind of like put all of your refills of different products into the box and return it or drop it off at that location. 
So we will be definitely expanding into other products. I'll say that. <laughs> I think the most obvious one that I think we could say is like sunscreen yeah, because definitely. that one pertains the most to reef safety. Um, so I was for- just about to ask reef safety and make you snitch on sunscreen because I was like, if they're they're so heavy on reef safety. Yeah, that's kind of where Uni actually started. It's when she went to the Great Barrier Reef and she, uh, there was like many other conversations, but she went to the Great Barrier Reef and noticed. It was so different it was so from di- when I was a child. Yeah, like over time, they, they had gotten bleached. It was more bleached in touristy areas versus places where she had gone, like, you know, that were less populated. And the majority of the reef safety conversation is happening around sunscreen. So the product development actually started with sunscreen, but because it is like an FDA drug, we have to much longer timelines in terms of the approval process. So we're definitely like innovating in the sunscreen category. And it's something that we really believe strongly in creating something that's super wearable that like people want to wear and is like safe for obviously the oceans and the environment. Um, But yeah, so that's like first and foremost. And what we actually did is we took all of the reef safe ingredients and kind of pertain that to all of the uni products. So make sure everything that you're washing down the drain um, is reef safe as well. And there's actually like a long list of ingredients outside of that. that Yeah. We um, originally like the uni name in my first deck was down the drain because when I started spending time with marine biologists, they were like, it's not just the sunscreen that's washing off and, and, you know, bleaching the coral. It's like everything that goes down the drain. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And honestly, there's some actually even natural ingredients that we don't use because they're really harmful to our waterways. And so Uni's sort of governed by anything that will hurt land or waterways, including, you know, rivers and lakes and things like that, as well as the ocean. So we apply that across the board. Yeah. And that's actually why we did a lot of work on our fragrances, because there's a lot of things in fragrances that are just, you know, not only harmful to the skin, but are very harmful to the environment. Ooh, okay. Tell me a little bit about fragrance is a big mystery world in the beauty community, right? Um, There's a lot of conversations about the fact that it is a catch all for things that are dangerous. And like that really pleasant laundry smell that we like is one horrific chemical example. Can you tell us why you guys stay away from it? You know, what sort of it is? Can you dispel some of the mystery um, about why it's so horrible? So there's a big thing around ILs at the moment. So like, you know, the U.S. isn't as regulated as it should be, uh, meaning it's not as regulated as it is in the U.K. or in Australia. And we're sort of more governed by those markets because, you know, we're keen to enter them. But one thing that happens with fragrance ILs and maybe what you picked up on is a lot of people say that their scent is like their proprietary thing and therefore they won't release their IL. So what they'll do is they'll publish their IL around their ingredients, but then they'll put all the really nasty stuff in with their fragrance and they won't publish the fragrance IL. So it's like a loophole in the industry. And what we, what we're trying to do and we have it on our website, like if you go onto our PDP page, our product page, like if you look at the ingredients and hover over the top of it, it'll tell you the EWG rating and we have our ingredients in there based on fill. So you can go through it and see everything that's in there. We're completely transparent. And that is what we want. Like we want the industry to say, like to basically show us what they're made of, you know? And I think that there's like a real, I think it'll come. um, But as you know, it's like turning a tanker with some of these businesses. They do have a lot of nasty stuff in it. And it's going to take them a long time before they sort of open the kimono, as you, as they say. Out of curiosity, studying you guys and in seeing, you know, your commitment to safety, I also noticed you have a commitment to climate neutrality. 
Can you um, uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about what that means and how you designed your business around it? Yeah, sure. So we're governed by the climate neutral now, um, United Nations uh, bracket. And so like what that means is just it teaches us how to measure things and how to be accountable. And so we measure everything from the sourcing of the ingredients into our labs versus like all the way through to how we deliver to our consumers and they return the bottles. I think like the bigger thing, which is what we're about to undertake and we're in the process of, you know, scaling out manufacturing, but it's the LCA. And that's what I think we want to start making public and we want to start um, getting brands to sort of do. And the LCA is a life cycle analysis. And so it's like our accountability, our number, if you will, of how sustainable we are on the spectrum of sustainable companies, not both in the industry and beauty, but at large. And I think that is the true measure of sustainability or the closest we've been able to find to it versus like offsetting. You, anyone can kind of offset, you know, their packaging or their shipping and things like that. But the life cycle analysis like takes in everything and is just a more thorough and accountable, you know, the climate programs aren't very well documented. Anyone can kind of put a climate neutral sticker in, like no one's going through that paperwork. It's a bit like, I don't know, like those supermarket seals, you know, or like the gluten-free seal. or Organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not measured or regulated. It doesn't really... In my opinion, most of the time I see it, I look at it, usually a graphic designer on their team has designed it. What kind of measurement and regulation do you think is needed? I think the life cycle analysis is like a, is really where the industry should go. It's pretty expensive, you know, I think like, and honestly for us, because we're developing so much, we're not in a position where we can currently do it, but you know, we're planning to do it probably, I would say beginning of next year. And that helps us as well, because it helps us understand where we are and where we want to be. And it'll help us understand different areas where we can continue to do work. We're not saying we're perfect. What we're trying to do is figure out what are the right guidelines and what is the new standard and how we can be accountable. Right. So um, of some of the standards that are existing in the marketplace today, um, which are, you know, your preferred ones? What are your favorites? I think there's a lack of them personally, and that's why we're sort of trying to look for things. Um, We... Cyclability is like our approach because we don't think it's one thing. We think it's like a number of things. But in terms of like just carbon neutral, while we're talking about it, the UN uh, Climate Neutral Now Pledge is like that's where people should be looking to. So if you're anyone that's listening or wants to do it, like that's what they should look to. It's the most well-respected. Also, as you're doing your offsets, the programs associated with them are the most accountable to. Like you need to make sure your offsets are going to the right places. And so it's just, it's just a very good, if you're starting to do this, it's, it's the right way to approach it. I'm really interested as somebody who has been uh, vis-a-vis Better World studying material source, labor supply chain, end of life. Um, I'm really interested in this idea that there's still this hole in the marketplace. And who do you think fills it? Do you think government ends up weighing in or do you think? Definitely not. <laughs> not, in, not in America. <laughs> um, not in America, but- people. I think it'll become like a popular thing. I, I I think that in beauty, there was like kind of this clean breakthrough that happened. And I think that right. it, it, it's brands that champion it and then consumers that force it. Right. And I think that that's, right. I think it, that's what's going to happen and it'll come. I've started to see it. It's not as well publicized here, but you know, there are sunscreens that I've even used before that have been pulled off the shelves in the last 12 months. 
You know, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy the amount of things that are being recalled. And I think it's like going to, it's going to take one of those, one of those items that we all have in our home where they're going to be like, this needs to be recalled because it is. And I think it's, you know, these are very popular sunscreens that we all use. And so that moment will break. And at the that same time. That are causing time, cancer, yeah. you know, and any number of health problems, and never mind all of the reef dilution and bleaching. And so I think that's what will happen. And what we're trying to do is blend those two together, like skin safety as well as like reef safe, right? And we want to blend the two because it shouldn't just be one, it should be both. And they are kind of one and the same, to be honest. It's a principle and a way of doing things. And so that that's kind of what we're hoping will, will happen. I also think just like the expectation on the consumer. So like to the point where like the clean beauty seal or whatever it was that changed the industry um, to like eliminate specific ingredients. It's also about like the consumer wanting more from brands. So yeah. like they're not going to buy brands like knowing more about which ingredients are not good for the environment and caring about those. It's like kind of like voting with your dollar. But I do think it's like on the consumer to make brands change yeah and i think like once you use a moisturizer you know and you know that it's going to last forever because they're using mixed components and mixed plastics like you just kind of get to a point where you're like i'm not going to buy that anymore you know what i mean i think that these sorts of things and it's going to be it's going to be a packaging and uh and a formulation play but i think the packaging story is happening now i don't think the formulation i think people don't realize how toxic things really are on their body and that i don't think they also realize that they they're designed to seep seep into your skin and into your bloodstream. So, you know, once that becomes more popular of, of an argument, then people will start looking for solutions and hopefully brands. Like the way I describe Uni like at large is we're responsible for everything that we put out. So we're responsible for the end use of our packaging. It's not on the consumer. And I think that's those brands will start to create that seal or, or that, that regulation. How do you balance that need for education that is so detail oriented with, you know, the baseline that everyone else has to also keep up with to come out to consumers? There's such an intricate educational piece that it must be hard to convey because you're almost educating about a problem that people don't know fully exist. Yeah, I would say not well <laughs> would be my answer. Yeah. But I, I mean, for us, we just want people to buy the product. And once they do it, we do it out of performance. Like Marissa and I love the products. We use the products. Like we like genuinely are obsessed with them. And I think based on their performance, based on their ingredients and, you know, kind of seeing the changes of using it, and I think what our job is, and Marissa will have her take on it too, but my theory is we're, we're going to teach them along the way. Like if they someone sees it and then they're like, oh, wow, like our boxes have all that information on it. Like they just read one section. Oh, cool, this is reef safe. Or they plant coral or, you know, their packaging is 100% recyclable. You know, these sorts of things we're hoping in the journey with us as a brand, we'll teach them along the way and they'll be like excited about the purchase. Like, the first thing that consumers receive when they buy something is a letter from me saying thank you so much, you know, for, for, for purchasing and supporting our business so we can sort of do these things. So the touch point for us is never to jam any of this. It's just to teach along the way. Yeah, I don't think we want to, like, market in fear and say, like, you should buy this because, you know, everything else is terrible. Um, and I think ultimately, myself included, like, we're all quite vain. And, like, you're not going to use something if it's not going to do it. Like you're not going to use a shampoo that makes your hair look bad. So I think for us, it was really about creating consumer change by like leading with like 
really amazing performative products that actually like do what they're supposed to that are well designed that you're proud to have in your bathroom and then like okay guess what like let's unfold and like unpeel the onion and you realize that like it's doing all these great things for the planet yeah i think it's like honestly all of our marketing actually happens after you buy it so you you'll place your first purchase and then there's kind of like this like life cycle of education that you get emails that kind of like tell you like the detailed story about like what it went into the product about the design about recyclability but you really only find that out after um and hopefully like that's what will create that loyalty and that retention versus like you know going the other way around but we have consumers that send back the bottles and so like people are understanding it you know you'd be surprised they do pick up on quite a lot but like i think the the main thing for us and what we've been really like is like I really believe that our products stand on their own. Like, I think that our body wash is unparalleled. That's probably the most luxurious body wash in the market. And I, that's what we're selling. You know what I mean? Like we're selling the performance and the quality of the ingredients and also the efficacious, like ability. And usually, you know, we're playing in an area that's usually fragrance soap, right? That's never really had a skincare performance element to it. And, and that's what will get the consumers in. They'll stay because of the sustainability. We are huge proponents of the fact that there needs to be more and better data in the marketplace. And one of our projects is centered around creating what's ostensibly the equivalent of a nutrition label for these net good products like yours and allowing the consumer to see everything, not just a, a high level evaluation or a scorecard, but also down to the bill of materials so that there's true transparency with all of these products. Because the shocking thing is that we're 10, 20 years smarter than we should be. And greenwashing still exists to such an extent, um, especially in, uh, in beauty. I don't think that people realize that the majority of beauty, again, is made by these sort of like handful of manufacturers. They all use their own base formulations. The issues are in the base formulations. And so, you know, we were, we've created our formulations from the ground up. But it, technically, if you go there, they'll be like, here's five bases. Which one do you like best? And we'll put your marketing ingredients in it. That's the fundamental problem. But the reason that they do it is because those bases are across multiple products. Therefore, the cost of goods is significantly cheaper. And so when you look at the, like, there's a huge cost difference between the two. In order for the industry to change, the manufacturing has to change. And that's what those base formulas have to change. And that's, that's going to take a long time. Agreed entirely. Guys, thank you so very much. I wanted to ask you before we depart, what some of your recommendations are for our listeners? Uh, Because we tend to leave behind a couple of suggestions for what they can do to make the world better. And in these conversations, being mindful of packaging, of course, is a, a number one and a big one. But I wanted to touch back on one of the things that you guys said, where consumers don't really know how toxic the things are that they're currently putting on their body. So uh, what do you recommend to the consumers? What are some of like the big takeaways and behavioral shifts that you guys would recommend and you like to see? Well, on products, EWG. Yeah, EWG is obviously a good resource. You know, it's really about like educating yourself or the consumer educating themselves on like which ingredients to look out for. Like we go by the hell list, which is the one that governs reef safety. And then for us, like also, that's why we have that whole transparency, you know, on our PDP pages of like looking at each ingredient. So I think it's a, you know, taking a step back. I think these days people are 
talking about reef safety as it relates to sunscreen. So potentially like looking for that um, when they're like picking out sunscreens and things that it would, you know, would harm the coral reefs and waterways. Yeah, definitely. And then just like general, you know, day-to-day life changes that you yeah. can do. There's yeah. like small ways, of course, that you can, you know, change your impact in like a very easy non-lift way. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing I've seen in California as well is just the shift to electric. Like I have to say, I've been electric for many years now and it's just such a great experience. I've never run out of battery, which is like range anxiety is a real thing. I can't, I can't say the same. I run out of battery But she's got a Tesla. I run out of battery all the time. It's a very scary situation, but I love my Tesla. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, but we always like, you know, simple things like take, you know, unplug the outlets, don't let the water run, don't use lights during the day, you know, just little things like that, reduce the amount you travel, offset your own travel. You know, there's like some, you know, key changes you can make on a daily basis. Compost, don't eat as much meat. Love the composting. Guys, thank you very, very much. I appreciate all of the hard work that you've put in um, to the product and to your ethos. Um, and to try to spread changes that aren't just in a physical material side, um, but also in the way the business is done. So uh, please definitely keep going. And Rocks, love having you as a co-host. Welcome back, you know. Thanks so much. I think a lot of a little bit goes a long way. And sometimes it can be extremely intimidating to think that one brand switch or one educational concept or one you know, ingredient that you may have overlooked can change things, but can also improve what's happening to your own body, which is fundamentally, you know, the closest surface area to control if you could control one. So I think it's really interesting that you guys operate from the outside, even further outside and give people the ability to make impact in their lives and then you know, to a large earthly body that we all want to protect and maintain and have our babies be able to visit and play in the way we did. I'm inspired. For sure. Yeah. There's a stat that we refer to. I think if we reuse 10% of our products, we can eliminate plastic ocean waste by 50%. Yeah. And so I think that's like a really uh, easy nice. one for me to hold on to. Yeah, there are some great studies, which is all, you know, actually refilling it. You can do so much with it. Yeah. It has a big impact. But yeah, no, it's nice. My best friend's pregnant and I love that she can use all of our things and that her baby will use it. And like that's, you know, I think that's a testament to the quality and, and you know, of, of our ingredients. And the way things should be. We shouldn't be using things that we can't use on our babies and that harm our oceans. So thank you for bringing something we needed to the forefront of our lives. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. I am Henry Lynn. It's me again, Roxana. <laughs> Sick. And this has been another episode of Better World. Please join us again to hear how you can make the world better.